supernatural thoughtfulness of God. He is more thoughtful than you can imagine. He does not want you to be a hostage to fear, trepidation, to worry, discouragement. He wants you to be free that he is thoughtful of you. Amen? Amen. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would come now and speak to your people. Holy Spirit, bring to my mind things I might not have moved, those that are not necessary. Come, Holy Spirit. I depend upon you, and I relinquish this into your hands. I ask you to speak to my brothers and sisters. Be the voice inside the voice. Whisper things that I don't even say into their ears, and let us leave changed. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Remember, how many remember your us that grew up in the days of landline? How many remember your childhood phone number? Raise your hand. A few of us. I remember pastors, but I don't remember mine. How crazy is that? How many remember your first job you ever had? Yes, my first job was at Church of God General Headquarters. And uh, my mom, my daddy was the International Youth Director of the whole world for the Church of God, which was an impressive job that had a lot of work. And so when they would have all these big booklets to put together, they'd bring in us little children. We would dress in our Sunday best. I remember sitting at that big old conference room, Linda Jarvis. We just really thought we were something special. And we'd put those booklets together. We'd staple them. We'd ask for our 10-minute coffee break, and we'd drink Coca-Cola. Come on, somebody. That was one. And then I went to work at Baskin-Robbins, which was super fun because if you made a banana split wrong in that day, you got to eat it. Let me just say on the record, there was a lot of banana splits made wrong. Someone say amen. Um, memory is a wonderful thing. When I remember the times of growing up, I remember my mom, who's still alive, who has Alzheimer's today, and um, she was very much a wedding singer, not like Adam Sandler, come on somebody, but she was the other kind of good wedding singer. Um, my mom has an ability to play the organ, the piano, the accordion, she can even play the accordion. And uh, even now, when I, I've been watching a show that uses a lot of songs for the 50s, and music is my love language, and so they'll begin to sing, um, You and I have a guardian angel on high with nothing to do. It means nothing to you, but it's one of my mom's songs she sang over and over. That will be true love. And I remember sitting on the organ with her at the dress rehearsal of weddings and watching her hands just masterfully going up, up and down, working the organ. She'd do the same thing at the piano, or more than the simple words I try to say. Wonderful song. Sorry, my voice is weak this morning. And, uh, but I have those memories. Uh, memory also has smells. Can I get an amen? The smell of comfort is bacon. Come on, somebody. Bacon. I mean, still, when you smell bacon, all of our dogs have loved bacon. I mean, all of them are in heaven. I hope they're having fun in the bacon glorious streets of gold. Um, but bacon is the smell of comfort on Thanksgiving morning because we were going to eat late because it fit my brother's schedule. And uh, I cooked a whole bunch of bacon and just the smell filled the house. I remember growing up um, smelling, my mom would cook bacon and biscuit in a pan. The Mississippians called it whole cake, just keep moving on. But it's biscuit in a pan. And um, I remember smelling that and going to sit at the kitchen table. And my mother loved music, so uh, she had a big turntable. It was like a long dresser back in that day. I mean, we didn't have Walkmans, people. It was a long dresser, and you lifted up the middle of it. Cheryl remembers this. And there was a turntable, and there was that sound. I can't make it, but, you know, when you put the needle, you'd hear it, and then comes off Mother's songs. And she would always play songs to encourage the godness in us before we went to school, before we sat at the breakfast table eating our bacon, fussing over the biscuits. Can I get an amen? She would play a song. And I've often said this, and if, if the Lord should tarry and my mother should precede me into glory, 
um, I just keep telling my sister, you've got to sing this song there, sis. You and Christine, you've got to sing it. But the words just stay in my mind because memory is powerful. The words said, um, what good has my life been? Someday I'll surely know. Sorry. How many souls did I win? Eternity will show. For what shall it profit my life if I gain the whole world and still be lost in sin? If I can't find new life at the end, what good is my life? It went on to say, what good is today if my steps don't lead me closer home? My mom would put that on every morning, and it just engraved. My sister and I can sing every word to it. Memory is powerful, amen. And those, those songs and those words and that smell of that bacon and the, 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 the texture of those delicious biscuits to a little eight-year-old who loved her carbs. Come on, somebody. There was never enough biscuits and never enough mashed potatoes and never enough fried potatoes. Mama would put it on the table, and I thought, I can eat that whole thing myself. What's the rest of the family going to eat? Um, because I love it. Any other carb-loving children in here, raise a hand, let the angels take a snapshot of you. But that's it. Those memories, everyone say memories. People sharing memories can be powerful to get you through a tough moment. During the time that Pastor Hank and I were divorced, my mentor resigned from the choir at North Cleveland Church of God, Billy Jones, one of the greatest women I've ever known. She taught me about the ways of the Holy Spirit. She was schooled under Catherine Kuhlman. She was four feet 11. She impacted my life in ways I couldn't tell you. I was honored to speak at her homecoming along with Dr. T.L. Lowry. But she was powerful and mighty, but she decided she wanted to retire. And she told Danny Murray, some of you know Danny Murray, he is the director of Voices of Lee, the only person that could walk in my shoes or take this on is, is Rhonda Giles, which was me. And those were big shoes to fill, but my mother helped me, and I stood in, according to my mentor's words, and took on. This was a massive choir of about 100 juniors that sang everywhere. I've told you before, we even traveled with Brother Perry. That's how I first met him. We sang the blood, and he didn't get a chance to preach because the Spirit of the Lord just moved everywhere, a revival somewhere, I don't remember. But here's the deal. I took over that choir, and uh, during that time, I worked for Danny Murray, and he is a man of great excellence, and he strives for it, probably like a lot of your coaches, Alex. He's always looking to make you just a little bit better. And you can watch the voices of Lee and see what he does, but he is a formidable foe to work for. And I did that choir, and so I would direct these big Christmas musicals. The one I remember is The Great Lake Potentate. And Brenda and Dale Hughes' son, Eddie Joe, who's in heaven, was the potentate. And so we worked for weeks. And at dress rehearsal, you knew this. And I'm getting somewhere good. You knew that Danny Murray was going to come in. And I figured out, Susan, this is where I got extra. Around Cleanford Day, someone called me extra, and it hurt my feelings. But you know what? I'm going to be extra till Jesus comes. So just give me a hand. I'm just going to continue to be extra and extra and extra. So Danny, because I, in the rehearsal, I'm right in the middle of everybody trying to tell him, jump like this, put your arm like this, bring it over here. You know, um, I remember when Pastor Todd was in the Jackson 5, our first lip sync, and I said, dear Lord, Pastor Todd, you've got to learn how to dance. You know, just keep, just do it like this. I don't know how. I said, do something. you got to guys have something. So I'm a little extra. And at this dress rehearsal, I remember there was a play in the part, um, Chris, where the children would all come down the long aisle of North Cleveland. They were supposed to be leaping into the city of Jerusalem. And uh, they looked like they were on a death march to their funeral. You know what I'm saying? And Danny comes in. He throws up his arm. He gets in the middle of all the kids. I just remembered this this week. And he starts saying, you need to think popcorn, popcorn. What does popcorn do? In the popcorn popper. Come on, think popcorn. And he's in the middle of them. And I'm thinking, whoa, that's crazy. But by the time he worked with them, 
I'm telling you, at the finale, when we performed, those kids came out like they had been tuned on Broadway because in their mind, they thought what? Popcorn. Just a little extra. But Danny was wonderful to work for. He could tweak. But there was this time when uh, North Cleveland Church got caught on fire, and we had to meet in the um, con center for several months. It was, I don't remember how it happened. I remember what happened. And the junior choir performed. We had this big service. It was like the centennial and the junior choir performed, and we, we, everything went great. We sang a wonderful song. You didn't bring me this far to leave me. You didn't teach me to swim to let me drown. Never use the word defeat. Claim his promises, every one of them. Yeah, all that's still engraved in my brain. And it was awesome, Mish. And then there was a finale when every choir of the church, the, camp, the, the adults, the children, the teens, there probably was a senior citizen choir, all came out on the stage, and something went horribly wrong backstage. And somehow all the children got confused, and it was chaos on steroids. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's the night things that nightmares are made of. Can I get a witness? I mean, those things you drink, that's never going to happen to me. It happened. And it went crazy. Somehow we got them out, but afterwards, Danny was just like, Rhonda, what in the world? I said, I don't know, Danny. I felt so, he was kind to me, but I felt so discouraged. My mother being my mentor, whose memory is powerful at that point of things in her life, she knew I was thinking in that moment, I'm done. Come on, come on, somebody. I'm done. Um, this is not going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. And that's often what happens in those moments. And my mom did what any godly woman would do in the year of our Lord of 1982. She took me to Shoney's where hot fudge cake solves it all. Can I get an amen? I mean, if, the, if, if hot fudge cake couldn't solve it, it was not to be solved. We probably ate greasy cheeseburgers, onion rings, and toward the end, my mother looked at me, crossed the booth, and I had many moments like this with my mom, and she said, I want to tell you about something. She told me about a conference where she she's one of the most brilliant women I've ever known, can do everything, musically speak, you name it. And she said she was at this conference and everything started going wrong. She went over and she fixed the program that was going wrong. Then they sent her in to fix the registration line and she got that fixed. And then something went wrong in the building and she got that fixed. It was a big one. She just kept going on. Then someone fell off the organ or something. She went to the organ. Then something happened on the piano. She went to the piano. She was a fixer. Everyone say she was a fixer. Everything. But then something went terribly wrong. This is the funny part, Gail. I can't remember what went wrong. All I remember is all the things she fixed. I have tried in my brain, and my mama wouldn't remember to this day, but she, something went terribly wrong. I mean, disastrously wrong. I don't think she fell down. Her skirt went over her head, but it was kind of equivalent to that. You know what I mean? It was horrible, horrible. And she handed me her Bible across the booth at Shoney's, and she said, open to the back and read it out loud to me. Now y'all know where I get my stuff from. So I, I, I opened the back of the Bible, and there she had written the date and the time. And she said, God sure knows how to humble me fast, but I will live another day and I will get back up and do it again. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Such a great statement. Such a great statement. I love, she saved me that day and I save other people. If you tell me something went wrong with you, Devin, I'll match you to make you feel better. I'll tell you how I did it before a larger crowd in a more stupid way than you did. Because my goal is that you remember how God can get up and use you again. And memory is wonderful. We're getting to when God remembers. Memory is wonderful till it isn't. Can I get an amen? Until it isn't. Until you remember things that broke your heart. Until you remember things that went wrong. Until you remember your own transgression or someone else. And, 
and memory. And I, one thing I love about walking people through healing for damaged emotions is I was recently reminded from a mutual friend and from the person I walked through it many years ago when I was leading healing for damaged emotions, a woman in my group said, can we meet privately? She attended this church. She said, will you pray with me? She said, I had an abortion years ago. Will you pray with me? You've been teaching me every week. We've been praying for healing, but I, I feel like the Lord wants to walk me back into that room. She knew I had been walked back into a lot of rooms in my healing when my heart was healed in 83, and she wanted me to do the same. The funny thing is when this was brought to my memory recently from a person who's a mutual friend with someone else and told them, and the person said, well, you know, she would have never told me that, and I'm still not going to say the person's name. She said, well, everyone knows now. I know she wouldn't have told you. But she saved my life. But here's the truth. I didn't save her life. He saved her life. But this is a crazy thing, Michael. I can still remember if I close my eyes right now, when the Holy Spirit started walking her back into that room, I can remember what every door looked like. I can remember her fear. I can remember hearing her weep. And I can remember the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who said to her, I was there every moment. I was with you. Even in the darkest moment of your life, I was there. And as he started to take off of her that pain and put it upon himself, I was reminded of Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Can you give Jesus a hand? So I'm not here to talk about him healing your memory, but I want to tell you that he can. I want to tell you that he can. I want to tell you that he can. On Wednesday nights, we're starting to move toward me talking more about that. But when God remembers, here we go into the middle of, the, of our message. When God remembers, it doesn't mean that he ever forgot you. It's the Hebrew word, zakar. You see, the interesting thing about the Hebrew, you think it'd be easier, but my smartest male preacher friends were going, I didn't take Hebrew because it was just too much for me. But it was 5,000 words out of 2,000 root words where the English has 400,000 words. You'd think, Alex, Hebrew would just be a, a, it'd be a breeze. But it wasn't because words have so many other meanings. The word zakar means to bring someone to mind and act upon that person's behalf. To bring someone to mind. So when we say God remembers you, Candace, it doesn't mean that he ever forgot you. Psalms 106.4 says, remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. It's not a cry of, Lord, I know that you have forgotten me, but it means this. Turn your attention to me and act on my behalf. How many would love to be reminded this week that God is turning his attention to you to act on your behalf? Can you give him praise this morning? Come on. To act on your behalf. It's saying, God, I want you to see me and do something about what I've gone through. God remembered Rachel, and he opened her womb, and she gave forth a son. God remembered Hannah, and he opened her womb. God remembered Israel, Israel, and he took her out of Egypt. God marks us by remembering us to Cornelius in the New Testament. It was said, your prayers have come as a memorial that word goes to the Greek form of the Hebrew, which means you have been marked for a miracle. What does God remember this morning? He remembers his covenant with his people. He remembers his children in time of need. And he remembers and he delivers in time of adversity. Give him another praise this morning. Come on. Come on. Put your hands together and give him a praise this morning. Last Sunday, we mentioned Malachi 3 and 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written in his presence. For those who feared the Lord, 
It means if I'm telling Pastor Hank, the Lord has been so good to me. The Lord has helped me through so much. I just give him praise and I honor him. It means that the Lord says to a scribe in his presence, come. I mean, this is the king of glory. We can't even imagine an earthly king. I'm, I love the times of kings. We can't imagine them doing it. But the Lord says, I want to write about Linda Jarvis because she's been praising me. Are we so happy to have Linda Jarvis back in the house this morning? Because she's been praising me while she's been suffering. God will show you how thoughtful he can be. Everyone say supernatural thoughtfulness. He is exponentially greater than you thought, more merciful, more kind, more faithful than you ever thought. And one day before a miracle happens, it's impossible to believe it can happen. And one day after, it's impossible not to believe. After God does it, you can't believe it, but he did it. So one thing I want to say, a few things about God. Will you let me? He is truthful. He, Titus 1 and 2 says it is impossible for him to lie. He is faithful. Hebrews 10 and 23, God cannot break a promise. Our whole theology falls apart. He is immutable in Malachi 3 and 6, which means he never changes. Have you ever had someone in your life and you didn't know whether they're going to be nice to you on Monday and treat you like a dog on Tuesday? Come on, somebody. You didn't know if they were going to whatever with you on Thursday and then on Friday, whatever. God is immutable, which means God cannot change. He stays faithful. Someone say amen. Amen. Come on. God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. For God is love, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God will and always will be love. Can you say amen? In the genesis of time, he breathed into a handful of dirt, and it became a living soul. That's a mighty miracle scientific minds can explain. And this week, woohoo! scientists came forth and discovered, this is not Christian scientists, that they now believe from the study of intrinsic DNA that all mankind came from one man and one woman and I know their names their name was Adam and Eve and God is the one that gave them life somebody give God praise this morning he is the shepherd of stars he calls them by name he measures space with the span of his hands He's the God of might and miracles. He's the God of grace and glory. But he's also the God of power and patience. And he is waiting to help you today. Can you say amen? You see, the God we serve that's supernaturally thoughtful towards you parted the Red Sea for Moses and the children of Israel. He called sufficient water to gush from a rock in the wilderness. He muzzled the lion's mouth for Daniel. He sent Jesus, his miracle-working son, who healed the lame and the deaf. And guess what? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can you say amen? This is the God who made the hyena laugh. This is the God who made the hippo waddle so you, Jody, would feel comfortable with baby Joseph as you waddle. Jody's our new sister at Hope House. As you waddle, as all pregnant women will, God made the zebra with stripes to show you how cool he is. He made the horse run in such terror that the book of Job says that they can hear the sound of war with their feet. He stretched 
coached the giraffe up a little bit better because he said, I want little scholar to go in her Meemaw study and see, I have a, like a wilderness look in my study, and see all the tall giraffes and know that God can take a short thing and make it tall. God can make a dull thing and make it powerful. God can make a weak thing and make it strong. God can handle anyone. He can handle your husband. Can I get an amen? He can handle your kids. Can I get an amen? He can handle your pastor, your boss, your banker, your president, the person that gives you grief. He can handle the most intimidating situation because anything in the hand of the Almighty who is thoughtful of you today, He will prevail. Can you give Him praise this morning? He has no needs. There is no stopping. So my first point of three points, when God remembers, He wants you to know you're not forgotten. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not forgotten. Isaiah 49 and 15, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? Even though she may, I, the Lord, will not forget you. For I have carved you on the palm of my hand. Such a beautiful scripture. We've repeated so many times here. As Pastor Hank says, if God has a wallet, your picture's in it. But that engraving on the hand is so powerful because it's the palms of the hand, Alex, where Christ was crucified. You're not forgotten that God remembers you and he told Jeremiah and he tells each one of us before you in your mother's womb I knew you and I called you by name that is mind-boggling but he did so when he remembers you it does not mean you were ever forgotten he came to Gideon in the book of Judges and he says oh you are a mighty man of valor I've chosen you and you are highly favored and how do we know that Gideon felt forgotten because Gideon said if I'm so favored then why am I going through what I'm going through? And why is my family going through what I'm going through? And why have the promises not been fulfilled? God did not answer that. But he said, you're going to see the glory of the Lord. And let me tell you, in those moments that you wonder if I'm so favored, why am I going through these things? Why am I facing these temptations? Why am I facing these walls? Let me remind you, God will say to you, he is with you. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He will uphold you by his righteous hand. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Somebody give him praise. He'll show, come on, give him praise. We're coming to a season of Christmas, which is the, the, the biggest thing to us, I guess, that study the word. It's a season of the fulfillment of promises. It's a season of after the book of Malachi closes, and it says the Son of God will rise with healing in his wings. And everyone receives that word. And then for 400 years, nothing happens. It's a, a study that I took at Lee called the Intertestamental Times. It's interesting. It's curious. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, but everyone held on to that word that came. But sometimes we can't hold on for 10 minutes. Can I get an amen in the house? Sometimes we can't hold on for five, but it was the time when God came to fulfill. You are not forgotten. You are remembered. Mordecai, who should really be in point three, but let me throw him in here, was a mighty man to serve the Lord. But we know he was put outside the gate, grieving in sackcloth and ashes, and his people were destined to be destroyed. But one night, the Lord took sleep. Everyone say, the Lord can take sleep. 
He can. And he took sleep from a ruler. I'm going to tell you today, the Lord can speak to your banker. The Lord can speak to your boss. The Lord can speak to someone that has a way to make a way for you that you can't make happen. Can you say amen? The Lord will do it. He will and he can. And the Lord did. And Mordecai, he couldn't sleep, the king. And he said, research this part. And when he got into his reading, he found there was a man who had stood and who had discovered a plot against the king. And this man took the plot to the royal, royal court and exposed it so the king would not be murdered. And that man was Mordecai. And in one night's sleep, God raised him up from the outward court to the right hand of the king. In one night's sleep, Joseph was raised from the prison to the palace. And in one night's sleep, God can do anything. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Point number two, when God remembers, when he says, I've marked on this day for you that I'm going to do something. I've already marked it. I'm going to do something you've prayed for. I'm going to fulfill the prayers that you have prayed. The only thing about God's way is God's way is not the best way in terms of efficiency and convenience. God's way is not the best way if all you want is the shortest distance between two points. Come on, somebody. God's way is not the best way if all you want is maximum happiness in this moment. God's way is not always the best way if all you really want is what you want, when you want it, for what you want it for. But when you say to God, I'd rather wait on you than wish I had. Come on, somebody. The hardest thing in the world is not waiting on God. It's wishing later you had waited on God for what he wanted to bring you. Isaiah 30, 18, the message says God's not finished. Everyone say, God's not finished. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, God's not finished. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. He's gathering strength to show mercy to you. God takes the time to do everything right. Someone say everything right. Those who wait for him are the blessed ones. But that process is tough sometimes. Pastor Billy Burke was sharing a miraculous healing on his page the other day, and I screenshot it and saved it because he said something in the middle of it. I'm not going to dictate because I don't have time. The process of healing this individual went through of cancer. It was amazing, but the process was longer than they thought. The process was more involved than they thought. And at the end of it, he said, will you contend for your victory or not? He said, I don't understand why God does what he does, whether it's healing or answering prayers or making things happen. We want them to happen. He said, I don't understand. But if I told you and you knew I had the power to give you a million dollars, but I told you I could give you a hundred thousand first and the rest of a million would come, would you reject the hundred thousand? No. The answer is no. Everyone say no. You would take the hundred thousand. You're like, oh, I don't know if I say yes. I'm like, Carl, no, you take it. A hundred thousand. The point is this. What he was saying is sometimes we don't want to take the gradual healing that the Lord gives us. We don't want to take the gradual strength. We want the big bang, bang, choo, choo, pa, How was that? One year of playing guard at Stewart School. That was my one shot. But here you go. Sometimes we just, we want the big superstar, or not even superstar, we want the sound effects, the lightning, the thunder. And God says, will you trust me to work the process in your life? Will you trust me to do what only I can do? Will you trust me to disappoint your momentary expectations that I might exceed them in the final outcome? You see, we have these expectations, but God has this. I can stretch only this far, but God can stretch all around the world. Wait doesn't mean he won't answer. Wait means he wants you to contend for more than you were asking. The girls will tell you at Hope House, 
Sometimes I'll ask them, what do you want from the Lord? And we'll come up. Everybody wants to be free. I said, I, we need to take it a step further. And it sounds like it's a paradox, like it's um, ironic to the theme of the house. It's not. But I don't want them to stop of just being free from drugs. I want them to stop of I'm going to own my own house. I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to be the grandmother. And how many times have I said that to you that have been there a long time? I'm going to be the grandmother in the neighborhood that they're going to say, go over there and see Miss Peggy. Let her tell you the things that the Lord has done. Let her tell you her story. Let her tell you what she's done. That's what I want because, you know, we settle way too quick. Can I get an amen? We settle one year in Abraham's life from age 99 to 100 takes up five everyone say five whole chapters in the book of Genesis listen why this is so powerful Abraham had endured 24 years of seemingly zero spiritual activity but we can't even take a month of it come on somebody we can't take a day I haven't sensed God today I'm crazy I'm going to jump off this roof you know I haven't sensed God I went worship everybody was crying but all I could think about was the Hallmark Christian movies okay go ahead um, but you know here we go Abraham endured 24 years but God God tipped the dominoes. When God tips the dominoes, when Abraham turned 99, the fulfillment of all of his promises began to tumble into place. And it took five chapters to talk about the great things that God has done. How many would like for God to set his attention on you that it takes five chapters of your book, your life book, to declare what the Lord has done for you. If you believe it, give him a praise this morning. Because justice delayed does not mean justice denied. None of us know the why. But God says the process will give you a victory you're not going to get in a moment. I've seen people healed instantaneously. And I've seen it be a process. I've seen people come off of drugs instantaneously. I've seen it be a process. And often we begin to compare how God works with us with others. And we don't wait to see what God can do. Because none of us understand his timing or his manifestation. No one understands the supernatural results of God and how he works and when he works. We cannot box with God. We watched Creed the other night and saw Rocky teaching the young man how to box, you know, and I just thought while we were watching it how very much we box with God. We don't like and we want to quit because he hasn't done something on our timeline. But the scripture says in Isaiah 49 and 23, for they will not be ashamed who wait for me. They will not be put to shame. A shame has to do with final verdict. Everyone say final verdict. Shame is often people's temporary appraisal or your temporary appraisal of yourself. Why hasn't God done this yet? Why hasn't God fulfilled this yet? Why hasn't this happened yet? Why is my process different than other people? Shame is the temporary appraisal. But ashamed has to do with final verdict. God says, if you wait for me, if you wait for me to do the process in your life, whatever you're believing for, you will not be ashamed. Micah 4 in the Message Bible says people have no idea what God is thinking and doing. They don't know that this is the making of God's people. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. If one of the musicians would come and help me, um, I don't know if you can leave that, Josh, or whoever can. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not forgotten. Third thing, and so many things I just left, and that's fine. God will show you in small and big ways how he's supernaturally thoughtful of you. Um, some people call these God winks, Devin. You ever had one of those? 
like you went to look for a book and there it was, you know, or someone, or your, the song came on the radio that you love, that song, I'm talking about, you know, that song that speaks to your spirit, and you just know God is with me. Um, some verse comes across the social media. Someone, I mean, so many times when I post something, and what I try to do with mine, because this is going to come to a story in a moment that a, a, a handful has heard, but Emily, I, the way I use mine is if I'm not connecting or posting pictures of my family, I'll ask the Lord, give me the word to sustain the weary. What should I say on Facebook because the gifts that you have given to help people? So many times people say, that, my, my word, that's exactly what I needed. That's God's supernatural thoughtness to them, not me. I'm just being obedient. And sometimes it can be in um, heavy things and simple things. I want to tell you a simple and then two heavies. A simple thing is when Courtney was about... At two years old, there was a doll that came out called the Oopsie Daisy doll. Anybody believe, remember the Oopsie Daisy? She could just do all kind of things, and she'd say, Oopsie Daisy. So I didn't, that was before social media people, and um, I, I, I didn't know about the doll, and, and I wanted to get it for her. I, I think she may have been old enough to want it. She had to been a little older than that. I don't remember. But I called on my landline, and my father-in-law sat in the room with me. They were staying with us for Christmas. And while I called every store from here to yonder, we didn't have internet people. So you had to call. It was, it was, it was hard. We survived, okay? And uh, you would have to, you know, call all these stores. And it was a no, it was a no, it was a no, it was a no, it was a no. So my father and mother-in-law and, and I, uh, Courtney must have been Pastor Hank, or she might have been with us and one of us was distracted. We dropped into Toys R Us and Papa, Reverend James Davis, said, let's just give it a shot. So we went into Toys R Us, and we went to where they were. The sign was Oopsie Daisy, and there was no Oopsie Daisy dolls. So we were walking around, and for some reason, I was walking up the aisle. And you know, it's funny how when you're a mama, these things are just terrible to you. It's like the end of the world. I mean, it was only $34.99, but I just knew, she, and I think she must have asked for it, or I wouldn't have been so militant. So I was walking around the corner, and, and there were dolls weren't even. I sat down. And when I sat down on the floor, like you should never do in a public place, people with all those germs, but I did. I sat down, and I looked. It was like a mirage. There was one oopsie-daisy doll stuck in a place that she wasn't supposed to be. I picked her up like I'd one of me, and every mama knows what I'm talking about. I mean, I was the mama of the year, but I, I just started crying. What's so sweet is my father-in-law just hugged me, and just we both just stood there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just sobbing. He's sobbing with me. He's so tender. He said, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. I mean, we're just having church. And it was the Lord. Don't think things like that are coincidences. God cares about the cares of your heart. You're not just some item to God. You're not just some tool. The things that are dear to you, they're dear to Him. The things you care about and you desire and you want, He knows about those. He's got them listed. He cares. When Courtney was going, getting ready for her open heart surgery, um, well, actually, we were still at Bradley, Sky Ridge, Tanova, Jessica, how many names can one hospital have? But anyway, we were there back when it was Bradley Memorial. And um, I was, had just received news that, you know, we didn't know that much, just that she had a congenital heart defect and they needed to rush her out. And the paramedics were coming. It was crazy. And... Um, I was lying in the bed, and they came and got her, and that's the story pastors told, but I was lying in bed, and my sister, who we both have been accused of, that English is our second language, and I'll let you guess what the first one is, and my sister was just praying strongly in that heavenly language over me, and my mom was at the end of the bed because I was dying, I was dying, 
it was death. It was more death than I'd ever heard. Um, that I didn't know if my daughter would even live to make it to Chattanooga, that they could repair her heart and keep her alive. And Pastor had gone with her and my dad, and I was just dying. All of a sudden, we, I heard this, and I just told my mom, I don't, I don't know who it is, but I can't talk to anybody. I mean, I was facing death. As Paul said, we despaired of living. I despaired of living in that moment. And so low, couldn't eat. And uh, my mom went to the door, and you just don't get past my mom at that time. I mean, she could stand off Colonel anybody. And uh, she was at the door, and I heard her you know, kind of discussing something. She comes back in. She says, Rhonda, I, you know, I don't want to let anybody in, but I, I think you might want to let this woman in. The woman comes in. Let me tape, let me fast, let me go reverse for a little bit. When I was pregnant with Courtney, we were evangelizing in Texas. Um, we just talked about Cleveland, Texas. We were staying in a house next to the parsonage that was empty. So I would walk every day. Pastor was preaching revival every night. And uh, I walked that morning, and on my walk, I walked into this little boutique, and I saw this little Bible. And then I saw this beautiful pink dress. I didn't have it in my hand to buy it. The pastor would buy me anything I need. He's the generous one in the family. But I didn't have it. But it was more than that in that moment. All these thoughts came to me, all my weaknesses. of Because I know how church community is. We didn't have a church community. We were at a different church every week. And we were in town. We'd visit North Cleveland or Cleveland Christian. But that was rare. We preached every Sunday, all year, all over the country. And um, I just, I walked out of there and I just started crying. I thought, my baby will have nothing. We are evangelists. Nobody will remember us. It was so stupid. That moment it was so real, Sherry. You know what I'm saying? It was so real. I thought, we're not going to have anything. We could have bought anything we wanted. It is, well, that night right before service, a postmaster knocked on the door that went to church. And I re she recently friended me on Facebook. And she walked in. She goes, God, tell me to stop by this boutique and give this to you. And it was the Bible. It was two things I saw, the Bible and the pink dress. I just started sobbing. Well, the, let's fast forward to the hospital. And I'm laying there feeling dead, and this woman comes in. She, her hands are shaking. She's from the North City Church of God. She had prayed over my belly, had sensed something was there and didn't tell me. And uh, her hands were shaking. She was holding a box, and uh, she said, I'm so, I feel like I'm walking into the holy place. I'm so sorry, but the Lord told me to buy this for you. I don't understand. I'm so sorry. I didn't know about your daughter's heart. I didn't know. And I opened the box, and there... In Cleveland, Tennessee, was the exact pink dress that was in Cleveland, Texas. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord praise. He loves me no more than he loves anybody in this room. That's the supernatural thoughtfulness of God that said in that moment, I know where you are, Rhonda Davis. I know what you're going through. I know you've got questions, but I'm here to tell you that I'm mindful of this baby girl. The third point, and I want to share one more story, is that God has not forgotten your labor of love. Hebrews 6 and 10. When God remembers, God is not unjust to forget your labor of love. Sometimes we wonder, what difference will it make what I do in the schoolroom? What difference will it make what I do at Hope House? What difference will it make what I do at my church? What difference will it make where I am? It makes no difference. And it's funny, that same voice in our head that says you're making a difference. There's another voice that says you're not. That says everything you're doing is vain. Everything you're doing will not have a lasting effect. Why are you making such a big deal over that job? Making a big deal over what you're doing? It will survey your limitations. It will serve a notice on you of eviction that says what you do doesn't matter. But I'm going to tell you the word says God is not unjust. He will. Someone say he will.
When God remembers you, in just a few moments, we're going to pray over you right where you are. But God remembers you. This past fall, on a Wednesday night, I got ready to leave for church. There's about 10 of you that heard this in a small Bible study that we had. I got ready to leave for church, and it had been a terrible, no good day. And I had gotten very angry. I don't want you to miss these points. Because when God remembers you, it's not because of who you are. It's because of who He is. When God is supernaturally thoughtful of you, Emily, it's not because of anything you have achieved. It's because of the nature of God. He marks you. His attention moves towards you. It's towards you this morning. And I was angry. The only person that's, my children have seen my anger, but only Pastor Hank Davis has truly seen my anger and still loves me. And I got really mad about several things. He wasn't feeling good that night. That's not what I was mad about. I was just overwhelmed. I was mad about another situation. We came in. We had a good Wednesday night. I went out and sat in my car, and I said to the Lord, I'm just going to be honest with you. I said, is there anything you want me to say to your people on Facebook? You got anything? Because I got nothing. And I thought, why am I even asking such a stupid thing? I'm being honest with you. If you think we all flying here on angels' wings, you are sorely wrong. And um, if there's something you want me to say, and God immediately gave me, a verse from Psalms. Before you woke up, long before you woke up this morning and long before you went to bed tonight, the Spirit of the Lord has been circling you with songs of deliverance. And He'll circle you to the day that you die. I posted it, didn't look back on it. Later I looked on it, it took on mass appeal. And people again kept saying, I want to tell you something. God's supernatural thoughtfulness will use you at your weakest hour to encourage somebody else. If you think you've got to feel powerful, if you think you've got to feel mighty, if you think you've got to have read the whole book of Hebrews and speak it in seven languages before you can do something for God, I'm going to tell you, in your weakness, He is made strong. He remains, come on somebody, He remains the same forever. So I stopped at Cook's food store after I did the post. Didn't even look at it. Went into Cook's to get some things. I saw an elderly white gentleman, and I looked at him and smiled. He looked familiar to me, and I smiled at him. He smiled back at me, you know, and I kept moving because, hey, if you can't give anybody anything else, give them a smile. That's my theory. And uh, so I worked around the grocery store, and then I remembered I wanted to get Skylar. Skylar is obsessed with chips and cheese. You just go to a Mexican restaurant with her. I mean, like, she can scarf it up. And uh, so I had seen some cheese. I thought I could heat for her and buy her some chips as a little treat. And I, instead of circling the way I should have, something just prompted me to circle right in front of the store. When I did, I ran right back into that elderly gentleman. And he's standing there, Chris. And he says, hey. I said, hey. He said, Jesus told me two things about you. Oh, Lord, he's going to tell me, you was angry this afternoon. You was mean to your husband. And secondly, you sit in your car and say, if you got something for people, just give it to me because I got nothing. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Isn't that what we think? But the supernatural thoughtfulness of God sees the best in you when you can't. And he said, God said, you love Jesus and you love your husband. How ironic is that? I said, yes, sir. Then he starts to talk to me. This is a long story. i got to capsulize it very short. Will you hang with me for about two more minutes, and I'm going to pray with you. Can you hang with me? Okay, hang with me. So for about, so we stood there, and he starts telling me. He was very bent over, Josh. And he said, you know, I inspired a song based upon my testimony. I said, what is it? He goes, what a difference. You, he said, what a difference you made in my life. I said, you know me. You mean, what a difference you've made in my life. And I sing the whole song to him. He goes, yes. You know the song? I said, I grew up on that song. 
He said, that was based on me. I was a, I was a drug dealer. I mean, he's been over. I did drugs. I about went to prison. He, he starts talking, and, and he keeps talking, and he keeps talking. And I said, well, that is just awesome. I said, I love that. He said, you made me feel like somebody here tonight. He said that, and I just smiled at him because I could see my dad, and he was a saint. And I'm, I'm trying to get away from him because Pastor Hank is wanting his food. Come on, somebody. And I'm trying to get away from him. And he said, and Christy and Nicole, you know who this man is. Christy Donaldson, you know. He said, you, Rhonda, put your hands on my grocery cart right now. So I put my hands on his grocery cart. Now, everybody knows me at Cook's. I'm in there all the time. They think I live there. We're right in the front. And we're not in the back. When God wants to bless you, he'll do it wide open. Someone say amen. He may deal with you privately when you're in the wrong. But when he wants to bless you, He's not going to give you a little picnic table. He's going to spread a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He said, put your hand on my cart. I did. Well, he laid his hand on my hand. And I can do all this without crying because I need to get it through it. But he began to pray. And as he began to pray, he read my mail from the front. But he repeated conversations that Pastor I'd said to Pastor Hank. I mean, to the T. I started weeping so hard I could barely stand my hand. I didn't even think you're in the middle of the front of Cook's Grocery Store. I could hear people pass me. Latest manager said, I just kept checking on you. He gets people often in here. And I said, well, he can get me here anytime he wants. And I'm just crying and crying. And he said some things. He prophesied some things. He repeated some things. When he's done, I, I just I couldn't stop crying. And I said, thank you, sir. Come to find out. I remembered where I knew him. He's a good friend of Pastor Connie Herring's. He ministered in the LJ a lot. You know who I'm talking about. He passes out Bibles. I can't think of his name, Christy. And I mean, he and I called Connie later. I said, Who is that man? She said, Oh, did he read your mail? I said, Did he read my mail? I mean, I felt the spirit of the Lord. I'm gonna tell you, God remembers you, and he will divinely intercept and interrupt and come in and intervene in your life when you are the least worthy. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I make my way over to the checkout. And I'm trying to check out. And the little girl said, did Mr., I can't remember his name, did Mr. So-and-so get you? I said, yes. You know, just sobbing. And I said, yes, he did. But it was good. She goes, yeah, he gets people all the time. I said, yes, let him keep doing it. So then he comes back in with his cart. And he goes, I need to sing you one more song. And he begins to sing verbatim from Isaiah 12. The Lord shall draw out of the wells of salvation and give you joy. I mean, I'm, I'm squalling now. I'm like, I don't care if you're all in here. If my wig falls off, my hat falls off. I don't care what happens. Bring it, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Bring it. And I'm a mess. He's, he didn't decide he's going to walk out with me. So, Mish, we get there. And you know, we're, all, we're always women on mission. I'm standing in the threshold getting out of Cook's. And I said, before we leave each other, would you mind singing that song over me? And then he begins to sing exactly what I posted on Facebook. The Lord shall surround you with songs of deliverance. The Lord shall sing over you. He began to sing prophetically as we stood. And then when he's done, he goes, well, I need to find someone to put that down on music. I need to produce it. I said, yes, you do. You have been Jesus with skin on. And before he, to me, and before he got his car, he looked back at me. He goes, Rhonda, you have made me feel like somebody here tonight. I'm going to tell you something. I didn't make him feel like somebody. He was in the right place at the right time for the Lord to remind him, I've not forgot your labor of love, what you have done for the kingdom. God wants you to know he remembers. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. 
before we pray with you. There was D-Day on Normandy with World War II when our allies stormed the beach. One of my favorite things to preach about. But there was also a D-Day. Like that D-Day, nobody knew they were overthrowing Hitler. They were in the right place one step at a time, making an inroad into that country so they could open the door to push Hitler out. And if they had not, we would be speaking German today. The Jews would not exist upon the earth. But I'm going to tell you there's another D-Day. We didn't know what the victory would bring. But on this D-Day, a woman gave birth to a son, a male child destined to rule. He taught and lived the kingdom, a life the rest of us had always dreamed of. In times of his life, Jesus was soaring on the Mount Transfiguration. At other times, he was defying Jerusalem. At other times, he was healing. But at Calvary, he kept running. He did not give up. He pushed on. He walked. He was young, but he stumbled under the low of Calvary. Sometimes all you've got to do is keep walking. You're only going to lose if you quit. God is reminding you that he remembers you this morning, that he's thinking about you. And in the times that are hardest, you've got to say, I won't quit. I'll keep putting one foot in front of the other because I'm going to tell you, D-Day was at Calvary and no one knew when they went to bed. No one knew when he rose from the grave the next morning. But in that time of three days, he changed the world. And let me tell you, every time you speak a kind word, every time you wait on the Lord, every time you don't give up, every time you get pushed back and you get back up, every time you write in your Bible, the Lord sure humbled me, and you get back up to do it again, you will see Victory is coming. It's only a matter of time. Would you stand and give him praise all over this house before I pray for you? Come on. Stand and give him praise. Stand and give Jesus praise. Stand and give Jesus praise. Come on, stand and give Jesus. For those listening by podcast, before we pray, we just pray the Lord would strengthen you. He's thinking of you right now, wherever you are. He knows your name. Victory is only a matter of time. Maybe the process has taken longer. You thought at times he's forgotten you. In your weakness, you thought he wouldn't come through, but he will. He's thinking of you today. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Now, all over this building, I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord and let me pray for you before we close. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your supernatural thoughtfulness. We thank you, God, for reminding us in our weak moments to get back up and try again. We thank you for reminding us that healing is a process. Miracles are a process. And Lord, forgive us when we want to give up and give in. Help us to stand back up, Lord. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would see signs this week of your supernatural thoughtfulness. Maybe a song in the radio. Maybe something they found that they had lost. Maybe just in a weak moment, you whisper to them, maybe not even in words they understand, but they just know, God's thinking about me. Lord, for memories that are scarred and wounded and tattered and buried in this room, I pray you'd begin a process of healing those memories. Take them off of them and put them upon yourself, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you have turned your attention toward us. And we cry with a psalmist, remember us, Lord. Remember our families. Remember our children. Remember the work that we will do in your name. Remember us and bring healing. God, raise us up to be greater than we ever imagined that we can glorify your name, Lord. We thank you for your supernatural thoughtfulness. Show my brothers and sisters something this week. 
maybe in a grocery store, maybe simple, maybe complex, maybe dramatic, or maybe moderate. Lord, show them who you are and how much you're thinking of them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You just put your hand on your heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're not forgotten. The Lord remembers you today. He remembers the hair upon your head and he remembers the prayers that you've said and those you have not said. He remembers the plans he made over you when you were born into this earth and his plans have not changed. He remembers what he's called you to in the future so he will strengthen you and heal you and raise you. He will do exactly what he promised he will do. He will not leave you until he fulfills all the good words that he has said. You are blessed and highly favored and belong to the Lord today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. If you be seated just for a moment, we want to give you opportunity to worship.